I'm Carson Horn, and it's Monday at 10, which means it's time for Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. So grab your toilet paper and let's get rolling. Was Saturday a success? My answer might surprise you. Thank you all for tuning in live or on podcast. This is Talking Tumors on a beautiful Monday morning in Auburn, Alabama. Finally starting to feel a little bit more like fall, and I am grateful for that. We've got a lot to get into. It is the bye week for Auburn football, but we've still got plenty to talk about regarding this team. We've got to break down this Georgia game. We're we're going to talk a little bit about Auburn basketball And we'll make some predictions again for college football for this upcoming week, although Auburn is not playing. But let's first dive into this Georgia game and recap what was a really a fantastic day inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. A wonderful environment, all orange. It was a beautiful sight to see. I, I had the privilege of covering the game. It was a super fun game to cover. It was a super awesome experience to be down on the field pregame. Got to see Cam Newton walk into the stadium, and uh, it was great. A lot of celebrities there, Auburn celebrities, and celebrities really worldwide. Uh, Charles Barkley was there. Suni Lee was there. Frank Thomas. It was a, a memorable day. Unfortunately, Auburn was not able to come up with a win. The Tigers lost 27-20. They battled, though. They were up 10 to nothing. Early in the game, Georgia did not grab the lead until early in the fourth quarter. Auburn had a chance to go up at the half. They went for it on fourth and about one uh, and weren't able to convert. Hugh Freeze talked about that in the post game. I don't have the audio of that. I will have some audio coming up in just a minute from from Freeze, but that could have been a, a big moment for Auburn. Auburn had the chances. The keys for the upset were there. What did we talk about a week ago? We talked about Auburn's defense needed to be, was going to have to play at a high level. They, they were going to be the key to Auburn pulling off the upset. They were going to have to force turnovers. Check. They did that. They were going to have to give Auburn's offense good field position. Check. They, they did that. Auburn was going to need to play a clean game. Check. They did that. Auburn was going to need to find some success running the football. Check. They did that. The keys were there. Unfortunately, Georgia, just a better team. And and we knew that. And so even when all the things that need to happen happen for you to win and pull off a big upset, sometimes it still doesn't happen because you're not the better team. Auburn's not the better team. And Georgia was able to overcome. And a lot of credit to Kirby Smart and that Georgia football team. They were able to overcome their turnovers and some poor play from them. They did, though, play a very clean game. That was a super loud environment, and they did not have any pre-snap penalties. Extremely impressive. goes to show you how well-coached that Georgia team is. So a lot of credit goes to them. But one thing I do want to do point out, Auburn ran the ball for 207 yards on Georgia. They rushed for more yards than Georgia. I, I that That is mind-boggling for for the college football world, for Auburn fans, and that is a testament to this Auburn offensive line, to this Auburn run game, to Hugh Freeze, to Philip Montgomery, and everyone involved. Because Georgia has more talent up front than Auburn. Nathan King of 
Auburn Undercover on 24-7 Sports did an excellent job putting together the, the numbers. And I talked about the talent gap leading into this game. Well, it, well Nathan Keene went and broke it down and showed. Georgia had 11, 11 offensive linemen rated high school, going off their high school ranking, ranked higher than Auburn's offensive line. And they're about 10 percentage points higher in their average of offensive linemen compared to Auburn. Quite astonishing. Yet, Auburn was able to really be more physical than Georgia. They have less talent, but Auburn was able to be more physical than Georgia. That's hats off to this Auburn offensive line in the run game. Look, if you know anything about football, it doesn't matter if you played offensive line or not. Run blocking is easier than pass blocking. It, it makes sense. Just think about it logically. Pass blocking, you're having to, you're taking a step back. Your momentum, you don't have the momentum of firing off the ball into somebody. You've got to let them come to you. It, it is a lot more difficult in pass protection. So offensive lines should be, for the most part, better in run blocking than pass blocking. And that is true of this Auburn offensive line. So, yes, they're not a very good pass-protecting team, but I do think they've shown that they're a pretty solid run-blocking offensive line, and so they deserve a lot of credit. I, I just thought that that needed to be pointed out that Auburn was able to find success running the football and have more rushing yards than Georgia. But as I mentioned, Georgia was the better team. They did throw the ball for a lot more yards than, than Auburn, and I'll talk about that here in, in, in the second segment. But the difference in this game, and if you read my post-game article, I said the difference in the game was third down. But don't take it from me. Here's Hugh Freeze. Particularly third down. I think you look back at this game and you look at third downs. You look at our third down offense, you look at our third down defense, and that's, I think that's where the game was, was lost uh, for us. So Hugh Freeze said it. That's where the game was lost for us. I agree. Auburn, 2 for 12. 2 for 12 on third down. Georgia, 8 for 13. And especially in the second half, that's where that's what it came down to. Auburn held Georgia to many third and longs, multiple, I, don't, I can't remember the exact number now, multiple third and longs, especially in the second half, that Georgia was able to convert. So I mentioned, Auburn did the things they needed to do to pull off the upset. That was one stat that Auburn did not do well enough in. Again, the margin is so thin when you're outmatched and Auburn was outmatched in this game. It, the margin for error is so thin and Auburn was not able to overcome just that. Something as simple as third down conversion percentage. And unfortunately for Auburn, that was not higher. But another reason for Auburn struggling on third down, I would say the cause of Auburn struggling on third down was Brock Bowers. Bowers, the cause, the effect, third down struggled. Brock Bowers is one of the best players in college football. He's the best pass-catching tight end I have seen in college football in my lifetime. He he really isn't a... a, a, Kyle Pitts was phenomenal at Florida a few years ago. He's in the NFL now. But I think Brock Bowers is better than Kyle Pitts was there. Just remarkable. Some of the catches he made, Auburn really defended really well. I, I think about the... It was hard to see this live. It was on the other side of the field from where I was in the media box. But the catch he made when Donovan Kaufman was defending him, where Donovan Kaufman had pretty good defense on him, the throw was a little bit to Bowers' right, and he comes up with it. It was a Sports Center top 10 play. It was phenomenal. He is an excellent player. And I know that 
some people were frustrated with Ron Roberts and how Auburn defended him. Hugh Freeze hinted that they maybe should have mixed it up some more. Okay, that you're you're nitpicking a little bit there. Sometimes the players they have are just better than the players you have, and that was the case with Brock Bowers. Yes, Auburn was able to shut him down a little bit more in the first half. He went off in the second half. Maybe Georgia adjusted a little bit more. Maybe it was just Brock Bowers was just better. I do think Jalen Simpson going out with an injury did hurt that Auburn secondary late in that game as well as they, they have been playing. I don't know that he if Jalen Simpson stays in that game if it would have mattered all that much, but it certainly could not have hurt. Uh, here's Hugh Freeze, though, on Brock Bowers. 19 is a handful, and uh, we didn't do a great job guarding him. And uh, I'm sure it wasn't him every time, but it was him a large majority of the time when the game was on the line. Freeze is right there. It was not Brock Bowers every time. Lab McConkey was back from injury. I mentioned him on last week's show. And he he played well for the Bulldogs as well. But, but Brock Bowers is way ahead of anyone else they have as far as skill position goes in the town. They even let him run the ball a couple times. It's quite remarkable. You can go on and on about how special of a player he is, but especially on third down, that Auburn could not stop him, period. They really couldn't stop him on third down. Carson Beck was able to find him multiple times to convert some long third downs and kept Georgia drives alive, and ultimately Georgia would go on to win the game. Again, Auburn had a final possession where they tried to go down and tie the game uh, there at the end or maybe go for two for the win. Was unable to do so. I don't want to get too much into Peyton Thorne yet because I am going to talk about that in the second segment. But I started the show with this question. I asked, was Saturday a success? And you may be wondering, well, Auburn lost the game. That There's no moral victories. And as a player, I absolutely agree with you. There are no moral victories as a player. But looking at this team with a bird's-eye view, looking at this program from a bird's-eye view, Saturday was absolutely a success, and it absolutely was a moral victory. Yes, I hate that that I'm having to say that. Yes, I hate that we're at this point as a program at Auburn. But, But you have to realize that's where we are, and you have to be honest about that, and that is why I believe... Saturday was a big success. I I wanted to see Auburn be competitive. They did that. I wanted to see the crowd be phenomenal and be able to stay in the game and the whole whole entire day. They were able to do that. The recruits were able to see what makes Auburn special. They were able to see Auburn compete. I, many recruits said in their post game, yeah, in their interviews after the game with for multiple different recruiting sites, saying, "Yeah, I, I was surprised. I really expected Georgia to blow them out." That is proof of concept. That you're building something here. Hugh Freeze is able to sell that. You have to spin it. You get blown out. Say, see, this is why you need, we need you. But if you're able to keep it close, say, see, you know, if we've got you, we're just, we're, you know, maybe we win that game. A couple guys even <laughs> pretty much even said as much. Like, if I was out, out there, you know, I would be somebody who could have, could have defended Brock Bowers. I, I don't think any one, one player would have changed it that much. But multiple of those players, yes. Then you're starting to get more on an even even playing field talent-wise. So this was a success. It, the recruits got to experience four quarters of a great environment in, inside Jordan-Hare. Hugh Freeze is able to pitch, look, what we're building here, and, and come be a part of it. But that's me summarizing. Here's what Hugh Freeze said after the game when asked about recruiting and his pitch this weekend. 
the message is clear. It's it's come help us build it. I mean, we 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 can do it. It's, it doesn't take long. We just need people that uh, that buy into coming and being a part of the Auburn culture, the Auburn family. Our fans were incredible today. Um, I think it is exciting to play here, and and I think it's attractive to a lot of recruits. And there were a ton here. So there you have it. Hugh Freeze on kind of a little inside look at at what his recruiting pitch is to the uh, Auburn uh, potential Auburn players, and and that's good to hear. It's good to hear his uh, honesty. And he in in the full quote, he talks about the effort that he is putting in. He came to Auburn early in the morning to meet with guys who were on official visits at the hotel. He left the team hotel in Montgomery to come back to Auburn that morning, and then he's having to go back and forth. It's that kind of effort that the previous regime was not putting in to recruiting, and it's that kind of effort that's going to take that's going to take to get Auburn back where it's going to be. I think this game, and you don't want to put too much stock in any game. I know people will say, well, you know, Brian Harson barely lost the Iron Bowl in his first year. Yes, there is something to say about Jordan Hare and that the of in Auburn in rivalry games and their ability to compete at home. But I I think Saturday was a a good sign of what is to come in the future that Auburn is going to be able to compete with their their uh, with the the top dogs in in college football in the SEC. I don't think Saturday was a fluke, uh, and I think that is this is the worst talent wise that Auburn will be uh, during the Hugh Freeze tenure. So I, I think that's a very positive sign for the program. Uh, this game on Saturday was it shows where this program is headed. I don't like I said, I don't think it was a fluke like the Iron Bowl was with, with Brian Harson in year one uh, of his tenure. That doesn't mean Auburn won't get blown out again this year. I don't think they'll get blown out at home, but they they may suffer some big defeats on the road still, like similar to Texas A&M. Um, but that doesn't mean this program isn't headed in the right direction. I think Saturday fans finally got to see that. With that being said, we'll head to our first break. When we return, I'm going to revisit this team, kind of what I said at the beginning of the season, how I'm still feeling about things, look at strengths, look at weaknesses. So stay tuned for that. You're not going to want to miss, miss that. We'll be right back here on Talking Tumors. In the Army National Guard, family means everything. Point one, as I mentioned, I was going to go back and revisit this team and where things are standing. So I'm going to start with the strengths of this team, weaknesses, and then we'll move on to some more general outlook for the rest of the season. So the strength is the defense. Would not have predicted this. Did not say that I thought this was going to be a strength for this team when I was doing my season preview. And I got to get up, and I did last week, but I've got to give a lot of credit to Ron Roberts and what he has done. Yes, the secondary is really talented. It is the most talented position group on the team. I still believe that, even though it. They're banged up, and Keontae Scott's out right now. But the linebackers aren't. The The defensive line is not that talented. Yet they're playing at a high level, and you wouldn't know it. Auburn's defensive line is playing really, really well. Now, Marcus Harris is a phenomenal player. He had his best game probably of his, his career, kind of going under the radar, just the position that he plays. It, you don't get a lot of attention there because you're not getting sacks and things like that. But he played phenomenal on Saturday. A lot of credit to him. A lot, of, a lot of credit, though, to uh, Jeremy Garrett, the defensive line coach, because Auburn's been able to stop the run. And Auburn's linebackers ha- have been aggressive getting downhill. That Ron Roberts has been aggressive in 
and saying, look, we're, if, if nothing else, we're going to stop the run. And I, as I've said before, if you're going to win in the SEC, you absolutely have to be able to run the ball and you have to have a run defense. And Auburn's had that. So I have to give a, I am surprised, but I'm glad. And that is a great sign that with, with less talent, Auburn's still able to defend and defend at a high level. That should be a good news for the future as well. Uh, the run game, that is an offensive positive. That is something that I expected to be uh, pretty solid, and it has been. I, I mentioned that the offensive line is less talented than than the top dogs in the SEC, especially someone like Georgia, yet they've had success running the football. Uh, a lot of props goes to scheme, but a lot of props goes to the players as well. They, they are most of them transfers that are on the starting offensive line besides uh, Cam Stutz, they they have come in and they played at a high high level in, in the run game. Again, pass blocking a little bit different story, but in the run game they've done a very good job, and so I have to give a lot of credit to to them and to Auburn being able to find success, and then and then the running backs and quarterbacks as well. I'll, I'll talk about uh, the quarterbacks more in a minute, but the. Uh, ability to have talented running backs back there helps too. Offensive line can can do a lot, but Jarquez Hunter, Damari Austin, when he's healthy, Brian Batiste's been really good. They've been able to find extra space, be able to break some tackles, so credit has to go to those guys as well. The biggest weaknesses that I've seen from this team, obviously the passing game. And again, I, I want to get into that in just a second. I want to talk about Peyton Thorne in a minute. So I'll talk about the pass rush. That has also been a, a big weakness. I knew that that one was going to be. That one's not a surprise. Auburn brought in Jalen McLeod. He is a fantastic player. You, he's starting, seems to be getting more healthy. He actually played pretty well on, on Saturday. Auburn is not able to come up with any sacks. He said after the game that he thought that was because Georgia was getting the ball out quick. That has something to do with it, I think. I don't know that that was the whole story. But he is a good player, but Auburn just doesn't have a, a dominant dominant pass rusher, dominant edge player, uh, unfortunately. So the pass rush is lacking. That is, that, that's an important position, and Auburn's going to have to recruit that position hard. I think they feel good about it in this upcoming recruiting cycle. They'll probably still have to go after a player or two at the edge position again, though in the next transfer portal cycle to try to solidify that position. It, it's one of the toughest positions to be dominant at in college football. But as you have a dominant player at that position, it makes you dangerous. Just think about Dallas Turner at Alabama this season, Will Anderson in the past, Harold Perkins in the past at, at LSU. You can get a dominant player there, man, it, it make things makes things a lot easier on you defensively. Okay. I've, I've teased this enough. To the passing game. That's been horrendous, quite frankly. Besides the Sanford game, which now seems just like a, a, a blip, I didn't think it was, but that's what it seems like now. It, it's got to improve. No, Auburn does not have the most talented wide receiver room in the country. They've got enough talent in that wide receiver room to be better in the passing game. And it's more than receivers, it's more than Peyton Thorne, it's more than the offensive line. It's, it's all of that com- combined, plus your play calling. All of that has to improve, all of that's got to come together for Auburn to have more success. This offense is meant to be run first. That doesn't need to change. That is the strength of your team, 
continue to run the ball well. But Auburn has had less than 100 yards passing against Power 5 opponents for six straight games. That dates back to to last season. But it's mind-boggling. And there's no excuse for that this season. There wasn't excuse for it last season. There's especially not an excuse for it this season. Peyton Thorne is a competent quarterback, despite what, what many may believe and what really we've seen some this year. He can perform at a higher level. I thought Saturday was a good step in the right direction. I know he was less than 100 yards again. Auburn had, I think, six drop passes. Now, no, not all of them were easy passes to catch, but they were still drop passes nonetheless. Some of that had to do with Georgia, Georgia's defense. But I thought Peyton Thorne played better. I thought that was a step in the right direction. If Auburn's going to want to hit their ceiling this season, which I think the ceiling is probably eight and four, even if they want to get to seven and five, the passing game has to improve. If they want to have a chance to pull off some bigger upsets against Alabama, against uh, even Ole Miss or LSU, there has to be a threat there to throw the ball and have success throwing the football. So I, look, I'm not—I don't know the whole X's and O's and and intricacies of the offense, but something has to change to to be able to find more success offensively. I think part of the issue is comfortability for Peyton Thorne. This offense is heavy in reads and pre-snap adjustments and things like that, and I think Peyton Thorne does a good job with that. The thing is, you're, I'm not sure his trust level with his receivers is there. Part of that is a lot of new new faces. Again, Peyton Thorne didn't get here until the fall. A lot of the receivers didn't get here, uh, and so they weren't able to work with Peyton Thorne until then. So that trust there to for for the receiver to see the same things that Peyton Thorne is seeing from the defense and trusting them to run the route the way that you believe they should, if you're thinking from Peyton Thorne's perspective, I think has cost Auburn a little bit. So maybe Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery have to limit the the choices and the decisions that Peyton Thorne and the receivers have to make to make sure that they're on the they're on the same page. Does it limit you offensively? Absolutely. But does it mean that you might have more success? Possibly. And that's the, you know, do, do the risk outweigh the benefits type of decision that the Auburn coaching staff will have to make moving forward. As for the op- over, uh, overall season outlook, as we're now in the bye, bye week, it hasn't changed for me because I expected Auburn to go 0-3 in these next, well, now one more game, but between A&M, Georgia, and LSU. So no, my season outlook hasn't changed. I still believe Auburn will go seven and five. I still think that is doable. I still think eight and four is doable. I think it's a long shot, as I thought before, um, a little bit more of a long shot maybe than before the season, just based on the things we've seen. If the passing game, if the offense was clicking a little bit more, then then maybe I would I would say eight and four is still pretty attainable. I don't think that's the case. Five and seven though is still very realistic. If this Auburn passing game continues to be inept and teams are able to just wholesale sell out to the run game even more than they've been doing, then yeah, then then the worst case scenario could play out here. Again, I don't see that happening. I think especially with this bye week, it'll allow this Auburn coaching staff to re-examine kind of where things are in the passing game. They'll be able to make some adjustments, I think, that'll that'll set Auburn up to succeed more. So no, the there nothing has changed for me in my outlook. I, I think for some fans maybe it has, 
But for me, it nothing I've seen has changed how I think this season will end up more so than I did before the year. Again, some things are better and some things are worse than I expected. I, did, I expected the offense to be better, defense to be worse. But overall, nothing has changed for me in my outlook. There's no reason that this team can't compete in every game left. There's no reason this team shouldn't have a chance to win every single game they have left. Even LSU in two weeks. The reason being because Auburn can run the ball and they can defend the run. You can do those two things. You have a chance in every game you play. And that should be exciting for this coaching staff. should be exciting for this fan base. It doesn't mean you should. Auburn shouldn't win at LSU. But at least you'll have a chance if you're able to do those two things. If for some reason these first, what, five games were a, a fluke and Auburn actually can't stop the run and maybe they played some teams that really couldn't stop the run themselves, I then whole different story. I don't think that's the case, though. So I believe that, that Auburn will have a chance. I do think they'll pull off an upset or two. I, I'm not sure what games I'm ready to predict that on yet, but I do think it will, it will happen. The key is not losing to the teams you're supposed to lose to, uh, win against moving forward. Getting back to the offense, we've got a few more minutes left. I wanted to say that, but since we've got some time, I do want to go back and hit what I think offensively this team can improve on. Obviously, Peyton Thorne's got to continue to improve. I mentioned that he he did so, I thought, this week. That has to continue. He has to continue to progress. Get, get your playmakers more involved. I've said this from week one. Jay Fair, Shane Hooks, Rivaldo Fairweather. No, none of those. Fairweather is one of the best pass-catching tight ends in college football. Obviously, Brock Bowers is the best by far, but Rivaldo Fairweather is very good, is very talented. He made another fantastic catch this Saturday. Continue to get him involved more in the passing game. Same goes for Jay Fair and Shane Hooks. They're talented players. No, they're not the most talented receivers in the world, but they are talented enough to use them and take advantage of them. So do it. I think offensively, find ways to get them more involved. Run game has been good, but here's a caveat for you. No running back has had over 100 yards rushing yet this season. Yeah, that's a little shocking, isn't it? Yes, Auburn has rotated a good bit. Yes, all three, when Damari Austin was healthy, got a good amount of, of rushes. But still, that, that, that is quite shocking that the run game has been as good as it's been, yet no running back has over 100 yards rushing. And a lot of that has to do with Auburn quarterbacks have, ran the ball, have run the ball well. Robbie Ashford and Peyton Thorne have both run it well. Peyton Thorne had the big run this past Saturday. Robbie Ashford is another topic. I, I don't know how, but I do believe that Hugh Freeze will continue to use uh, Robbie. He he mentioned on Saturday maybe he had, maybe he should have used him more. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what uh, what he does there. I I do think that Robbie Ashford will continue to have a role in this team and, and the way he moved the ball. I don't think you can argue with with that. Moving forward, I, I know some whether Robbie take over full time. I don't think that will be the case. But if, the, if Peyton Thorne doesn't improve, then it could be. But I, th- I thought you saw steps in the right direction this past weekend. With that being said, we'll head to our second break. When we return, we'll dive into a little bit of Auburn basketball. So make sure you stay tuned 
to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. With it being the bye week for Auburn football, we had a little bit more time in the show, and so I figured why not go ahead and talk a little Auburn basketball. They'll start their season on November 7th. They'll have a scrimmage against AUM on November 1st, so we really are a month away from the Auburn basketball season getting started. I know that that is crazy to think. And so as we get closer to their season, I'll talk more. But today I just wanted to give a, a brief overview of the roster and some of the new newcomers that that are part of this team and give some quotes uh, of what Bruce Pearl said about, about these uh, guys that are coming in. So just a recap of, of who is out and who is coming in. So Wendell Green Jr., Zepp Jasper, Alan Flanagan, Chance Westry, and Yoan Treor are all out from last year's team. So Wendell Green was your starting point guard. Zepp Jasper was your starting two guard. Alan Flanagan was your starting three. So those are three starters who are out the door now. But in come Aiden Holloway, a five-star true freshman point guard. Denver Jones, a transfer shooting guard originally from Alabama, went to FIU and now is transferring to Auburn. Chad Baker-Mazzara is a JUCO transfer. He was at San Diego State two years ago. Yes, that is the same San Diego State who made it to the Final Four last season. He was a part of that team two years ago, 6'7". He'll play the three position. And then Chaney Johnson, also 6'7", D2 transfer from North Alabama. So those are the key newcomers coming into this program you return Jalen Williams and Janai Broom in the front court, two phenomenal players. It was great that Bruce Pearl and Auburn were able to get those two guys back. Dylan Cardwell, of course, returns as well at the center position. Katie Johnson is back. Lior Berman is back for this Auburn Tigers team. So is Trey Donaldson. But those are your key newcomers. Bruce Pearl was asked about this Auburn program, where they're at based on last season, how he views Auburn at the moment. He argued Auburn has been the best program in the SEC over the last six years. And he he made a pretty good argument for that based on Auburn's record, based on their success in the tournament, uh, putting players in the NBA, championships, all the factors uh, that he put into it. But here's his uh, quote on that. Our goal is to come back and say, over the last seven years, we've had the best program in the league, Pearl said. That's going to be challenging because there's some people right behind us. That's kind of what my goal is, and obviously to compete for championships. So it is going to be challenging. Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky, those are all very good programs. Texas A&M starting to play at a high level as well. So Auburn's going to have to keep up. They, they're, they're, they're holding on right now. Last season, Bruce Pearl still, and we had this debate at the end, end of last year on my, on my show about whether last season was a success. Was it a good season? Bruce Pearl said it was. Making it to the round of 32 was a successful season. But I think Auburn fans would like to see better from this team moving forward. But that's where kind of Bruce Pearl sees this program at at the moment. I think it's in a very good spot. And I think he's excited about this roster. And I'm about, to, about, I'm about to go through some quotes that Pearl said about these newcomers. And I think through these quotes, you'll see that he, he's fired up about this team and what, the potential of this team this season. So starting with Denver Jones, I mentioned that he was a transfer from FIU, was uh, one of the best players in that 
conference last season. Bud is going to be a step up, and you'll notice that's a theme. Auburn took all, all the transfers Auburn brought in were from a group, group of five or or um, lower type of uh, conferences, Chaney Johnson, even Division II. So these were not these were mid-major program guys is the term for it in college basketball. Still in my college football brain, I apologize. These are mid-major guys that Bruce Pearl brought in. So can they elevate to play at a high enough level in the SEC? That's a big question mark. But here's Bruce Pearl on shooting guard Denver Jones that Auburn brought in. Quote, Denver Jones is a much better offensive player than Zepp. Jasper. He's bigger, stronger, and he works really hard defensively. That could be an upgrade at the position. I'm really excited about Denver, unquote. I agree. I, I think Denver Jones is going to be a phenomenal offensive player for Auburn. He's going to add some scoring that has been desperately lacking at the two position. Zepp Jasper, one of the best defensive players in college basketball, but he really did not offer anything offensively. So I'm very excited that Denver Jones is going to be much more of a scoring threat. He can really shoot it, and looking forward to seeing him this season. Here is now uh, Bruce Pearl on Chaney Johnson. Uh, Chaney Johnson, I mentioned, was that he is a Division II transfer from North Alabama. He's honestly been better than expected, it seems, so far, really giving Jalen Williams a run for his money. Bruce Pearl said, quote, He's in a battle with Jalen Williams for that starting position. Right now, it's really close, very close. Jalen Williams had a really good fall. Chaney has had a good summer and fall. He's big, strong, athletic, can shoot it, can defend multiple multiple positions. I think we're better at that position. I don't think Chaney Johnson will beat out Jalen Williams. Jalen Williams going into his fifth year, but the fact that he's making it competitive is awesome. You always need competition on your on your roster. And Auburn has lacked, did lack a good backup for last season. Chris Moore was having to play at some because Yohan Traor did not develop like many had hoped and made that position weak whenever Jalen Williams had to come out of the game. So even if Chaney Johnson doesn't beat Jalen Williams out, he is going to help Auburn out a lot. He's going to play a lot of minutes. He could possibly even play that three position some for for Auburn. So another another player that that I think the staff is very excited about, and as I mentioned, someone who may end up being better than expected. In fact, Bruce Pearl earlier ha- has called Chaney Johnson the best athlete on the team. I think that is quite a compliment for someone who came from Division Two to to come to a roster, and I I don't think this is an indictment on Auburn's current roster. I think it has more to do with how talented Cheney is. Another player Auburn brought in, Chad Baker-Mazar. I mentioned he was from uh, a JUCO transfer, was at San Diego State. Auburn waited out at three position. I'm not going to say that they're not happy to have Chad Baker-Mazar. I don't think he was their first option there. That's not anything against him as a player. Auburn missed out on a couple other guys, but I do think they got a very talented player in Chad Baker. He's the one, though, I'm most interested in. I'm 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 not sure what Auburn's going to get at, at this three position, and so that is a little bit of a concern for me again this season. But here's what Bruce Pearl had to say about Chad Baker-Mazar. Quote, Chad has stuff you can't teach. The good news, he's a six foot eight three man. The bad news is he's 180 pounds. 
The good news is he weighed 170 when he got here. Could he be better at that position? We'll see. Again, Bruce Pearl gave a lot of compliments to Alan Flanagan in, in this press conference last week and the player that he was. He moved on, transferred to Ole Miss, where his dad, Wes Flanagan, is now an assistant at. So I think there there are more unknowns with him than any other other transfer or player that Auburn has brought in. Now, finally, the most exciting player probably on, on this team that everyone's looking forward to is five-star point guard Aiden Holloway. Was the only high school recruit to come in this year for Auburn. But he's going to have a chance to compete with Trey Donaldson and to become the starting point guard for this team this season. We'll see what happens there. But here's what Bruce Pearl had to say about him last week. This isn't as big of a quote as some of the other players. That's because Bruce has talked a ton about Aiden and the how excited he is about him. But he said, quote, Aiden is in there every morning without fail. He's got something special in him. He can really shoot the ball. He has great range. He's a quiet leader. That's the biggest thing for Aiden Holloway. He He's a phenomenal shooter. How will he be as a point guard? How will he be distributing the, the basketball can he be a leader that the point guard needs? Trey Donaldson is a great leader for this Auburn basketball team. That's great to have from a point guard. If Aiden Holloway wants to take over and be the starter this season, his leadership, his ball distribution will be key. Auburn knows that he can shoot it. So that's just a short preview. Again, not a full roster breakdown. I'll do a full breakdown later on, on the roster as a whole as we get closer to the season. I'll do a season preview but since we had some time, I wanted to go ahead and get you familiar. As a listener, if you don't follow Auburn basketball as closely as some, kind of gives you a preview of what the roster is going to look like this season. There are a lot of new faces. That's just the era we're in in college sports with the transfer portal, especially in, in this case in football, as you know as well. There's going to be a lot of different faces. Bruce Pearl's called this his hardest working team he's, he's had so far at Auburn. He's called Aiden Holloway. Chaney Johnson and Denver Jones, the hardest working players. Those are three transfers. That That's pretty remarkable for those three guys to come in and be putting in the work that they're putting in. Great to hear. Really, really great to hear from Bruce Pearl. So I'm excited about this team, and we'll have plenty more to come on Auburn basketball as, like I said, we are a month away. With that, we'll go to our final break. When we return, I'll talk about some college football games this week and make some predictions. So stay tuned to Talking Tumors. Your career isn't a job. It's a journey. Tumors on Weagle 91.1. So I don't have a ton of games to predict this week. A lot of teams are on by like Auburn or are playing just, quite frankly, cupcake opponents. But I do have a few games that I want to talk about and predict, starting with Maryland at Ohio State. Maybe wondering why I'm picking this game. Well, Ohio State went. They beat Notre Dame. Two weeks ago, I was wrong on that game. But Maryland's undefeated, so this is another test for the Buckeyes. Uh, Talia Tungavailoa has been phenomenal this season for Maryland. If you remember from the offseason, a story there was that teams were trying to get him to transfer. They were, uh, some supposed SEC team offered him an inordinate amount of money to transfer there. I don't know what, what team... Uh, that was, I, I highly doubt it was Auburn based on the numbers that he was saying, but who knows. Anyways, he's stuck at Maryland with Mike Loxley, 
and now he's going to have a chance to go into Ohio State and pull off a big upset. This Ohio State offense still not quite clicking defensively. They are very good, but they've got tons of talent. They have way more talent than Maryland. If Maryland's going to pull off this upset on the road, in the horseshoe, it's going to take a special, a special game from Talia Tungavailoa, but I just don't see it happening. I think I've got to go Ohio State in, in this one against the Terps. LSU at Missouri. I'm sure the Auburn football coaching staff will be locked in to this one as the Tigers do take on LSU in two weeks. Did you know Missouri was undefeated? They are, and they're a top 25 team. Credit to Eli Drinkwitz, Gus Malzahn coaching tree. Did coach under uh, Brian Harson as well, but I think he would claim more of the Malzahn tree than the Brian, than the Brian Harson tree. They host, they host LSU, and LSU's coming off a shootout loss to Ole Miss. I did predict that one correctly. I, I can't say that I necessarily expected it to be that high of scoring of a game. LSU's got, got problems, and we'll talk about that more next week when I preview the game. But they've got problems in their secondary. Missouri's offense with Brady Cook at quarterback has been playing really well. Luther Burden's a phenomenal receiver for them. They're finally playing a little bit better defensively. But this game very well could end up being a shootout similar to this uh, LSU on Miss game last week. But backs against the wall now. LSU has two losses, only one conference loss. They're still alive in the SEC. Playoff hopes probably out, out now. But Jaden Daniels has been phenomenal. Really, He really has been at quarterback for them. I think he'll continue to play at a high level. I think LSU will be able to outscore Missouri in the end. I just don't think Missouri will have an answer defensively, and I don't think they'll be able to keep up offensively with the Tigers. I know that they're, they've been looking ahead to this game, looking ahead to hosting this game. If Drinkwitz can pull this off, that is a program uh, defining type of win for them. Can't, the Kansas State win at home a few weeks ago was huge for them, but this would be even bigger. I just don't think it's going to happen. I like LSU to go in to Columbia, Missouri and get the win. Then Alabama at Texas A&M. Alabama throttled Mississippi State this past Saturday. Mississippi State's bad. They're they're really bad, and I, and I know that's rich coming from an, an Auburn podcast. I get Auburn's not very good either. Mississippi State's worse. They they I hate it because Will Rogers is a phenomenal player, and I. But it's part of the process you've got to go through when you change an offense. And Zach Arnett decided to move away from the air raid, which I totally get. But you still got air raid players. They still got an air raid offensive line, and so but they're moving to running, trying to run more of a spread offense with air raid players. Just like when you go from a pro to a spread with pro-style players or a spread to a pro with spread-style players, it doesn't work well. It takes time to recruit and get the, get the guys in that fit that scheme. So it's not working for Mississippi State. And Bama went on the road and throttled them. And Bama look, has looked better. And in the second half of the Ole Miss game and then against Mississippi State, they are playing better, more, more of how I think many expected them to look. But that doesn't mean they don't have issues still. And I'm still not sold on this Bama team on the road. Yes, I know what they did at Mississippi State, but they're going to face arguably the best defense in the SEC up front. Uh, Georgia's very good up front. I think Bama has the best defense in the SEC. But Texas A&M up front is very, very good. A&M secondary is not good. So that is what 
would concern me if I'm an A&M fan is that while Jalen Milrow is not the best passer, he is a pretty good deep ball thrower, and my secondary is an issue. So if Alabama is able to hit some deep shots, that could be a problem for the Aggies in this game. We know Max Johnson has taken over as QB for Texas A&M with Connor Wigman out for the season. But Max Johnson looked pretty good against Auburn. He looked pretty good against Arkansas. A&M beat them this past weekend. So I'm going A&M in this game. Again, I'm just not sold that Alabama has not convinced me that they've fixed their issues as far as penalties go, as far as sloppy play goes. Again, for the last game and a half, they have looked good. But I need to see more. I need to see them go into College Station and play a clean game, not turn the ball over, have success offensively. They do that, then I'll be back sold on Alabama. And yes, I I had them winning the SEC West. This will make it more difficult for them. This will put Texas A&M in the driver's seat to win the SEC West. This is a gut feeling. It really is. I rarely pick against Alabama, but I'm going to do so this weekend. I think Max Johnson will do enough offensively. I think it'll be a lower-scoring game. It's strength versus strength and weakness versus weakness here, Uh, at least A&M's defense versus Alabama's offense. I do, Like I said, I do think Alabama's defense is very good. I think A&M's able to do enough offensively. I think you'll see a game that finishes in the 20s, and the Aggies are able to pull it off another signature win for Jimbo Fisher and should completely remove him from any hot seat conversation. He's not on it right now, but this whole season, A&M fans are just looking for a reason. Losing to Alabama shouldn't be a reason, but if he gets a win, it definitely will help him out there in College Station. So I like the Aggies. Arkansas at Ole Miss. I just mentioned the LSU and Ole Miss game and how that game went was a complete shootout. Lane Kiffin finally got a signature win. He really needed that. I mentioned that he is, after the Alabama game, he is lacking his record against top top 15, top 20 opponents. Really, really poor. So that was a huge win. That was a, if they lose that game, that that's, they probably don't have a chance to win the SEC West. They're still in it right now. To, to win the West. I don't predict them to do so, but big-time win for them. Now they welcome in Arkansas, who's coming off yet another loss, and really, their season can go down the drain really, really quickly if they're not careful. The Razorbacks, uh, after losing to LSU, losing to A&M, I think they're about to get their third conference loss here on the road at Ole Miss. I think this one's destined to be a shootout again. K.J. Jefferson, phenomenal quarterback. He's not the reason Arkansas is struggling. It's the pieces around him. Their their defense has really struggled still again this year. I hate that because Travis Williams is the defense coordinator there, former Auburn player, former Auburn coach. Um, but they have they they have really struggled. So Ole Miss will win this game. It'll be another high scoring game. But I like the Rebels. Then for the final year, Ole, Oklahoma and Texas will be a Big 12 game. Next year, this will be an SEC game. Still weird to say. Feels weird to say. But it's in the Big 12 again this season. Everybody's talking about Texas. Some think they're the best team in the country, and you can make an argument for that. They've looked really good. But so is Oklahoma, and they've flown under the radar. They're a top-10 team now, but they've flown under the radar. Part of that's because of who they play. They really haven't played any really good opponent yet. But their offense looks really good. Dylan Gabriel's 
is a fantastic quarterback for them. I'll be honest, I have not watched much Oklahoma at all, so I'm excited to see how they perform against Texas this weekend. I think it's going to be a really good game. I think it's going to be a four-quarter game. I think it's going to be competitive. But based on what I've seen from Texas and their defense, I think they'll do enough to finally slow down this Oklahoma offense enough. Quinn Ewers makes some big plays. I like Texas in the end in a close one. But again, don't have a great feel for Oklahoma besides I've been impressed by the numbers they've been putting up offensively. So I'm very interested to see how this game plays out. With that being said, thank you all for tuning in to Talking Tumors today. Really enjoyed being on air again and talking about this past Saturday. And we'll be back again next Monday at 10. We'll preview the LSU game and much more to come. So I hope everyone has a great week. Enjoy the bye week. Enjoy a stress-free Saturday, if you will. And maybe still watch some college football. So we'll see you next time on Talking Tumors. Thank you for listening to Talking Tumors. Make sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 for another edition. Also, make sure to check out Weagle's 24-hour live stream on WeagleFM.com. And follow us on social media at Weagle underscore AU. War Eagle, and see you next time.